So in our wilderness story that we read just now, that takes place in the Mount of Olives, uh, in the Garden of Gethsemane, we see that Jesus' disciples fell asleep on him. Anybody feeling sleepy this particular moment? The folks who just got back from the mission trip. So, and I, I need to name what I'm holding because uh, I did have somebody tell me who listens to our podcast that uh, when we do visuals and don't name them, it's hard to make the connection. So I am holding a pillow. I'm holding my pillow. It's not a my pillow, I was asked, but it is my pillow. Um, I guess this was probably the only thing the disciples were missing was this pillow when they fell asleep on Jesus that night. Anybody feeling sleepy in here? Anybody mention, I mean, Emily mentioned that those storms might have woke you up so you didn't get a good night's rest. Uh, I also had somebody ask me if I brought this in case I spotted somebody falling asleep during the sermon that at an act of hospitality I could take it to them. I'm not ruling that out, so just beware. Or do you ever have those days where you wake up And the first thought on your mind is, I wonder if I'll be able to get a nap at some point today. Sometimes sleep is no laughing matter. I've got a friend, a good friend, who for Lent has given up having any kind of screens in the bedroom when she goes to bed at night. So uh, no television, no tablet, no phone, no watch, nothing. No screens for Lent at bedtime, right? And, and she says it's helped her to fall asleep faster and to sleep better. Uh, sleep is a serious matter sometimes. And, and I don't know about you, but um, especially when it gets late at night, I'm worthless. Like, I, I need my sleep. And I'm the kind of person, I wake up early in the morning, so I go to sleep early at night. Like, after the sun goes down, I don't need to be having any conversations of any significance. Am I the only one like that? Sort of early to bed and sort of go to sleep, especially when it gets late, that I get tired, get weary? Yeah, thank you. Well, let me know if you need a pillow. But at least that's, that's my experience with sleep and with, especially when it gets late at night. And this wilderness story that we've just read about Jesus and his disciples takes place late at night. Jesus has just had the Last Supper with his disciples in the upper room. And it's just before he's going to be arrested, eventually tried and crucified. And so right in between those two experiences, we read about this story in this wilderness of sorts. And it's, it says that he's out at the Mount of Olives, which is a place he went to often. The Mount of Olives is between Jerusalem and Bethany. It's an area that Jesus would have frequented. And specifically, other accounts in the Gospels tell us not just the Mount of Olives, but he's in the Garden of Gethsemane, which is at the foot of the Mount of Olives. And it's a garden, yes, but not, um, not the garden like we think of. It, it was actually... Um, an, an olive orchard, an olive grove, right? And so the, the Garden of Gethsemane where they grew olives, they also had an olive press there where they would press the olives for the oil that comes out of them. So, so 
Jesus is in a, a grove of olives, this deeply passionate, painful, unsettling experience of Jesus's happens in an olive garden. Nobody? Okay. Happens in an olive garden. No. I'm going to be here all day. <laughs> so this sermon chock full of dad jokes. So just hang with me. But it's in this garden, this grove of olives, where Jesus has one of his most gut-wrenching, deeply painful moments and experiences. And he, he shares this experience, this moment, with his disciples. And in this moment of deep soul-searching about what's going on in his life in that moment and what's to come, Jesus knows. I mean, he's aware of what's coming at him, of what has been set in motion by Judas, who has gone out to betray him and sell him out to the guards who would come and find him and arrest him. He knows the things that are about to take place for himself and his disciples. And it's weighing on him, pressing down on him, burdening him to the point of desperation, of physical pain. And in this moment of wilderness, of pain and distress, he tells his disciples and us, by his words and his actions, that when we find ourselves in times and places like this, pray. He says to his disciples, stay here, stay alert, pray so that you won't give in or fall into temptation. And if we could just split a hair here for just a minute in in what Jesus is saying to his disciples. There's a sense in which we read it and it says, pray that you won't fall into temptation. And it sounds like maybe Jesus is saying, hey, pray against temptation. Pray to keep the temptation at bay. To keep temptation away from you. To keep yourself free of it. Insulated from it. Defended, protected from temptation. But there's a different way to read this, to read Jesus saying, pray so that you won't fall into temptation. And in a sense, Jesus is saying, your prayers aren't about temptation, but rather pray. Pray in the sense of having communion, conversation with God to draw near to the Spirit of God for yourself and your life, knowing that as you do and as you live in that place of prayer and connection and communion with God, you will be then ready for when temptation comes. 
Jesus is calling his disciples to an understanding, to a practice of prayer that is more about the condition of their hearts and their lives than it is about any particular circumstance or situation or this temptation or that temptation. Jesus is saying, pray, draw near to God in this moment. Brings to mind David's prayer at the end of the 139th Psalm when David says, search my heart, O God. Even know my anxious thoughts. See if there's anything in me that doesn't belong. Anything that's unholy or wicked. And lead me instead in your path, your way. The way of life, the way everlasting. Or the 51st Psalm. Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. Don't separate me, cast me out from your presence. Please don't withhold your spirit, your Holy Spirit from me. But restore in me the joy of your salvation. Renew that spirit in me. This is the kind of prayer That Jesus is calling his disciples, his followers to in this moment, this late night moment in the darkness of the wilderness. This even cultivated wilderness. Jesus is calling them to a prayer about who they are. Not about this thing or that thing. Which is the kind of prayer that could be especially meaningful and useful for us today in times when we look around us and see at least sometimes what I feel like I see and hear in the tenor of our discourse, whether it be in the public arena or even in the church. Somehow or another, we've gotten to a place where we value convictions more than character. And it's troubling. Give me somebody who's kind and decent And disagrees with me. Rather than a jerk. Who agrees with me. (laughs) But in so many ways. It seems like that's the direction. That our discourse has gone. And it's in this kind of darkness. Of wilderness. Of temptation creeping in. It's in this kind of moment. When Jesus says to his friends. To his followers. Pray. Pray the kind of prayers that draw you close to God. Pray the kind of prayers that shape and affect your heart, your character, who you are. Trusting that as you do that, as I do that, as we do that, then we will be prepared for when the temptations come. Because the temptations will come. And then, in his very own way of praying, Jesus models for us that experience. We hear it in his words that he prays. When he leaves his disciples and goes away to pray, Jesus says, God, 
if, if you will, remove this cup of suffering from me. God, we hear the depth of Jesus' humanity. Fully human in a moment like this when he says, I don't want to do this. This is going to hurt. And it's going to be hard. This path of, in front of me, what's heading towards me is full of suffering and anguish. Strife and struggle. God, I don't want to do it. Thank God for Jesus' honest human prayers to name the reality of what's ahead of him and how it makes him feel. And then in his very next breath, he says, however, God, your will be done, not mine. Oh, the prayer of a mature child of God. That even seeing that road ahead filled with suffering and pain, the prayer that says, God, I don't have to have my way. Your way is what I want. I don't know that we even know how to pray like that. The kind of prayers that incorporate our pain and our suffering. Sometimes it seems like so much of our prayer is to avoid pain. Eliminate it. Insulate ourselves from it. Oh God, please just don't let me hurt. Or don't let them hurt. What if there's more to prayer than that? And in the prayer and the example of Jesus, to hear that even in the face of what is coming at me, the suffering and the pain, to pray at the deepest level, God, I don't want this. But God, what I want isn't always what matters most. And so here I am. Knowing, expecting that it is in the pain, in the suffering, going through it, that God goes with us. And that even in the midst of it, and if there's a coming through it or coming out of it on the other side, that God is in that too, transforming it, transforming us, making us into more of who God created us to be in the image and likeness of His Son, Jesus. Knowing that even in the late night, when we're tired and weary, that just on the other side is the dawning of a new day. For us together in here over these last several Sundays of the Lenten season, we've 
been on this journey in the wilderness together. And, and here we are. It's led us to the cusp just two weeks away. The cusp of Easter Sunday morning when we celebrate resurrection and new life. In many ways, I, I think our denomination of Christianity, the United Methodist Church, our flavor of Christianity is feeling the pains of the, this dark, long night. And that we are on the cusp of a new day, a revival, a fresh wind and fresh fire that will blow in and through God's church. Maybe you are feeling like you're in that same place. It's late at night. The darkness is deep. You're tired. You're weary. It's getting real. Temptation is closing in. Testing you. Trying you. Trying your will. Trying your faith in God and in humanity. And it's in wilderness moments like that. When the darkness is falling. When we're worn out and sleepy. That we experience the work and the presence of God in a way we wouldn't be able to otherwise. After Jesus had prayed that excruciating prayer, it says he went back to his disciples. And when he got back to them, he found them what? Fervently praying, right? No. Asleep. Sleeping. They fell asleep on Jesus. Do you ever wonder if Jesus got disappointed with his disciples? I mean, we just read this story from Luke. If you read it in Matthew, it says he, he had this experience with them three times. <laughs> and he told them, pray. And he went away to pray and he came back to them and they were asleep. And he woke them up and told them, I need you to pray. And he went away and he came back three times. It's like you had one job. <laughs> just pray, okay? Just please pray. And they could manage. You ever wonder if Jesus got disappointed with his disciples? Which is a wonderful teaching moment in and of itself as well. I appreciate very much uh, the words of Nadia Bowles Weber. She's a Lutheran priest and uh, author, speaker, founding pastor of the church in Denver, Colorado, the House for All Sinners and Saints. And um, I heard her speak one time, and she said that when she's welcoming people into membership in the church, uh, she always makes it a point to say to them, Listen, I know you love it here. And it's wonderful, and it's amazing, 
and you find the sermons very engaging. Like me as a leader, and she really is an incredible speaker. She, you know, she was a stand-up comedian in a former life. Like, um, she's just a very engaging person and very thoughtful. Uh, and, and she says to these people, I know that you love it here, and you love me, and it's great, and you love the people, everybody's so warm, and it's wonderful. You just need to know that at some point here, we are going to let you down. She said, as your pastor, I'm going to let you down. The people around you that you just love and are so warm and fuzzy and you lean on, depend on, are going to let you down. She said she thinks it's important for people to come in to membership in the church sober. And she said, but those are the moments when God shows up and can do something, maybe even miraculous, in you and among us and do the things that only God can do. And that's the church. Wholly dependent on God. So if you find yourself in that kind of wilderness place, tired, weary, don't sleep on Jesus. Because he's been there. Wherever you are, whatever it is, your struggle, your pain, your brokenness. He's been there. Don't sleep on Jesus. You know, I said that he was in the Garden of Gethsemane, which is actually an olive grove. Remember that joke I made that landed so well? He was in the olive garden. No? Oh my gosh. I'm going to keep working on that. But it was an olive grove that had an olive press. So don't sleep on the fact that the very place where the olives were harvested and pressed to extract their precious oil for anointing is the same place where Jesus endured great strain and pressure over his coming fate to the extreme that his own sweat, like blood, was being squeezed from his body. Don't sleep on the fact that Jesus' anointing here in this cultivated wilderness was one of suffering and sacrifice just before he would be mockingly crowned and hung up on a cross as the king of the Jews. When you find yourself in a place like that and life is closing in on you and temptation is knocking at your door to rob you of your faith, don't sleep on Jesus because he's been there. We love and serve a God who suffers with us. We don't go through it alone. And Jesus calls us in those moments to draw close to God and pray. I mean, the words of the prayer of St. Patrick, we're just a few weeks removed from St. Patrick's Day. This is what the words of the prayer of St. Patrick say. Christ with me, Christ before me, Christ behind me, Christ within me, Christ beneath me, Christ above me, Christ at my right, Christ at my left, Christ in the fort, Christ in the chariot seat, 
Christ in the heart of everyone who thinks of me. Christ in the mouth of everyone who speaks to me. Christ in every eye that sees me. Christ in every ear that hears me. Jesus Christ is the way, the truth, and the life. Most certainly, in those wilderness moments, when the night seems its darkest, and you're getting desperate, and hope seems lost, and it's time for you to take control of things for yourself, brothers and sisters, don't sleep on Jesus. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. So we're going to